Can we get the house lights up just a little bit? Do you guys need that? Would that be helpful? Um, so we're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16. Uh, we'll read that and we'll get started. Sound good? All right. Verse 11. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the, is the blessed and only uh, potentate, uh, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, uh, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. We're going to pray again, and we'll get started. Lord, as we enter in and we look at your word, we pray that you would speak to us through it, open our hearts. Lord, uh, fill us with your spirit. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, change our minds and our hearts where they need to be changed. Help us to see it the way it is, Lord, and to grow. So we thank you, Lord, for that and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So quick recap. Uh, 1 Timothy is written to Timothy from Paul, who has gone to um, uh, Ephesus to become the pastor there. Uh, Ephesus, mighty work had been done. Things had got kind of twisted and messed up. And so... uh, Timothy was sent to kind of help correct them. He's dealing with, he's kind of like a timid guy seemingly, and he's dealing with a lot of issues of people don't want him there. Um, He's coming in and having to lay down the the hammer, and Paul's like, listen, this is your job. You are made for this. Go in there and correct what's wrong so that none of this distortion will go any further and mess up anything more than what, what God has already started to do. So it's a pastoral epistle written to, to a pastor, but it's applicable for all of us. And, and it, it's very focused on doctrine, on understanding, believing, knowing what we believe and why we believe it, and why that's so essential and important to guard us from getting caught off and, and pushed off the rails. And I think uh, as applicable as it was for that time, it is very much just as applicable right now in 2022. So we've gotten to this point. Paul's been encouraging Timothy along the way, and he's been instructing him, giving him clear guidelines on how to deal with all kinds of issues that come up in the church and in ministry. Uh, And so at verse 11, he says, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Uh, O man of God was a term well recognized. Uh, It was given to great men of the faith, to Moses, to David. Uh, It's you, O man of God, is a recognition of who you are in Christ, what you're called into. Paul's constantly reminding Timothy of like, listen, you were called into this. You have been raised up. You have been uh, prayed over. You've been empowered for this. Like, so you might not think you can do it, we, but you can. God has put you here for this time, for this reason. And so he's, he's encouraging him with that. You, oh man of God, remember who you are and, and why you're here. 
you have to have recognition of who you are in Christ. You're called to a new life, new priorities. God wants to do way more with you than you think, but there is a battle at hand. And that's like a good word for all of us. Because I think a lot of times we get stuck and we'll see the initial fruit of salvation. Wow, God, you came in, you saved me. It's pretty dramatic. And then things can just taper off. We go, I guess this is it. I guess that's all there is to it. But, but no, there's this process, and we've been t- talking about it, of sanctification. This process of growing and working out our salvation. Seeing God mold and shape us to become more of this man of God, more of this woman of God, so that we can become who we were always created to be. Like the best case scenario in our lives. And of course, that allows That's us allowing God access and then doing these things. Flee these things. So what are the things that we're to flee? Uh, By the way, flee can mean, obviously, we know flee is run. It's, It's like escape. Escape these things. Don't let these things have any hold of you. Fleeing keeps you out of harm's way. And it's actually a, um, underrated, uh, approach to like bad things, right? Where's another place we see fleeing in the Bible, I think of Joseph, right? Uh, Potiphar's wife comes to him and what he doesn't stick around to like negotiate with her. He's like, I'm gone. He runs, she tears his, cl- you know, you know the story. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. You can read it. It's, <laughs> it's at the end of Genesis. Um, but we have fleeing the, the, the stuff that's no good. Just get out of there. You do not want to be around this stuff. Don't let it have any part of you. It keeps you out of harm's way. Uh, Cannon's had a tournament in um, La Jolla this weekend. And uh, it's their baseball tournament. They lose today. They're out. And that's, you know, mixed. We have mixed feelings. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but we were, we showed up there. Uh, I, I'd had a funeral in the morning I went to. Rushed home, got home, jumped in the car, rushed to La Jolla. Uh, the speed limit, of course, the whole way. Um, got to La Jolla, setting up. Cannon's getting ready. They're, they're about to start the game, and um, one of the moms was like, I guess there's a fire in the Buena, you know, Buena Vista Lagoon. I'm like, I live by that. <laughs> and like, oh, I'm sure our neighbors would tell us if there's anything. And then all of a sudden, Tori comes running up. She'd been, you know, feeding the girls, and she's like, the fire, there's like 40-foot flames across the street from our house. And we're like, um, okay, <laughs> what do we do? And you have to think about it, and we're like, let's go home. And I was like, are the windows open? She's like, yes. I'm like, Okay, we got to get home. So we jump in the car. Can stays at the game. All everybody is thinking our house is burning down. I'm thinking there's no way I can get there. Anyway, we rushed home. One of our neighbors had said we got all our valuables and we're we're out. I'm like, oh, whoa, okay. They're sending pictures and there's flames way high. What? So we got home. Find the fire was out by the time we got home. Went back to the game. Okay, good. But the idea of fleeing, it kind of changes the way you think about stuff. Like, this is, what do you grab? What do you do? you got to get out of there. And I was thinking, because the girls were having a hard time, like, oh, man, what about all our stuff? I'm like, we've got all we need right here. we got us. We're all out, you know? Fleeing says, get out of danger. Get out of the way. you got to get out of here. It's it's, bad things are coming, you know? So we got to flee. Get out. But what are the things he's saying to flee these things? Uh, if we look back uh, at earlier in chapter 6, it's these teachings of men that are only used for disputes. These useless wranglings, as, as Paul called it. 
Uh, there's these men have no desire to grow. They have no desire to, to grow and become more like Jesus. They found their weird little arguments and they're just sitting on them. They love to argue. Do you know people like this? Yeah, this is like most of social media, right? They just love to argue and they just want to, and it's like, this doesn't even matter. None of this has anything to do with anything. But they've learned that you can get a lot of following from this and you can even make money out of it, right? By, by exploiting controversies and by making all this stuff, you can come up with some really crazy stuff and people want to hear it. They're into it. That's why, how do we know this? There's soap operas exist, right? Do they still exist? They do, right? Yeah, I think so. But we, we love that stuff. And, and talk shows exist. You are not the father. Ah, you know, whatever, right? We love drama. We love controversy. And Paul's saying, make sure you flee from any of this stuff. Only give the good. Don't get caught up in the bad. Don't get caught up in this junk. Don't let it hold you. Don't let it have your attention or anything like that. I'm always grieved. I'll, I'll see like a video or something and it'll be about like someone I know or like love and respect and there'll be a video like, this person might be the Antichrist and you're like, what? Like that person's like a down believer and then they'll have like some small fraction of a message and you could tell it's like pieced together with another one and you're like, you're just, it's just clickbait. You're trying to get views. Like this is false. And so th- this can't have a place in, with us. Instead of focusing on these things, we flee, we run from these things, we flee that whole scene. Instead, what do we do? We pursue, which is like actively pursue, put forth the effort and direction towards growing in uh, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So instead of being caught up in all of that stuff, this is what, if you want to seriously see growth, if you want to like stay connected to drama and you just like kind of being in the mix, this isn't for you. This is, this is for those who want to like grow and see like real change and be a part of what God's really doing. This is the man of God, woman of God stuff, okay? This is what, this is what it, it's made up of. Put forth the effort and direction and growing in righteousness, that we should live godly lives, that our lives would be uh, modeled and defined by righteousness, that when people would see us, they'd see this, this righteousness before. That, that it's, and it's funny, that's Abraham, right? Talked about it last week. Justice and righteousness. That's the obedience that he was called to. We are called to the same. So we put forth this effort. We're not just to use cheap grace and stay where we are. There's like so much more God wants to do in us. And isn't that good news? Like you don't, I don't know. Like sometimes you think, oh, God just, he's just cool with what I am. Jesus is my homeboy. You know, I got saved. We're good. Blood of Jesus. I'm good. That's it. That's all I need. He's like, no, I, I absolutely, you now are, are you're, you've been cleansed. You've been uh, brought in. Uh, you are now accepted and loved. I mean, it's, it's right there for you. That's so awesome. But then you do the hard work of growth. That's the sanctification. The righteousness starts coming out of your life. And this is what we all would recognize we really want. We don't want to just keep on doing the old stuff because the old stuff made us miserable the first time. So if we stick with it, it's going to make us miserable for indefinitely. Especially if you keep doing the same thing. You get the same results. And so we have to take inventory of our lives. 
And we have to look at our own lives and go, what is it that is, is, what do I do? What do I value? The way you find out what you value, and we've said this multiple times, is time. What do you put time into? And what do you put your money and resources into? That tells you what you value. That tells you what's important to you, right? And so if you value growing in these godly, you know, uh, attributes, you're going to have to invest into a private life with the Lord. Going to have to. There's no other way, right? We're going to have to invest in growth. We're going to have to invest in learning. And so we're going to have to invest in heart change. We're going to have to invest in honesty that can lead to confession and realness. But that's not a bad thing. Most of the time, it's the thing we're most afraid of. Wow, what if people see me as I really am? What's interesting is when you open yourself up and you are seen as you really are, do you get a lot of grace and people generally like you a lot more than faking it? Because there's something about faking it you could just tell, you know? Like you're just not, you're not who you say you are. And we can tell. I could see the difference. Like it's, you think it's a really good armor and it's not very good. Like, and so we, we but we all do that. It's like a natural thing. And so, this is the result as we go and we say, Lord, here I am. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to grow. I don't want to be caught up in all this other stuff. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue godliness. That our lives, we would live godly lives that would look like following Christ. That's the idea of a Christian, right? Christ follower. So we don't want to just stay where we're at. We want to grow. Faith, that's the next thing. Faith, which is the word pistis. It's the Greek word. It's tied with allegiance to trust God. We talked about this last week. If you missed it, the Father's Day message uh, on the life of Abraham. The promise of a son. He trusted God even when it didn't really make any sense at all. Right? So that's faith. Believing God. Trusting in him. Not going to make your own way. God, you've got this. I trust you. And usually is a way of bringing you right to the edge. Let's see how much you trust me. I'm sure Abraham felt that way. He's like, my birthday is coming, and I'm almost 100. Do you think it's time for a baby? So we think about allegiance, right? The promise of a son, you know, it's like he trusted him even when it didn't make sense. And so faith is not grabbing on and, and this to, the, to the wheel, right? I remember I did uh, driver training, and uh, this lady, she was nuts, it was true. It was an IE experience. And she's just like, I'm just going to go to sleep. You just drive. And I'm like, huh? I mean, this is my first time driving. And she's like, let's just go. And then she's like, let's go to my house. I got to go get something. I'm like, okay. So we're driving. I'm like, is this appropriate? We're going to your house. Uh, and we're driving. And, and uh, anyway, I go. She picks something up. We come back in. I think we were, I think I was, we were selling drugs. Um, no, not really. But um, but we're driving, and I'm like two lanes over, and she just grabs the steering wheel. You know they have that, that brake pedal, the second brake pedal, which is so sketchy, right? Because you're like, what? I'm not braking. She is. Um, and all of a sudden, she kind of hits the brakes, and she goes, whoop, and we three lanes cross over. She's like, I want Del Taco. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Listen, I made it, all right? I got my license. <laughs> But I'm just like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, we just crossed over all those lanes. I didn't see her look in the mirror. She just went. I don't know, something about driver training. I think I got this. Um, 
But she just ripped it out of my hands, and she turned it. She used that break, and we're like, okay, we are going to Del Taco. But that's the idea. It's like a lot of times God will be, he's like, I'm taking you somewhere really good. And you're like, I want to go to Del Taco. And you cut everything off, put yourself in danger. It's like, no, don't grab onto the wheel. Let God, that's faith, trusting him. You've got this. Like, I believe you. I trust you, right? So that's one of the things. Pursue faith. Love. This is agape love. Pursue agape selfless love. Don't be fooled by cheap imitations. Just because it says love doesn't mean it's really love. Just like if you're in New York or L.A., just because it says Rolex doesn't mean it's a Rolex. Okay? So we've got to know what real love is, and it's selfless. And it's, and it's, but it's all found in truth. Sometimes love is telling people what they don't want to hear, isn't it? Yeah, you know that with your kids. I do not want to do this with you, but I need to. Because the, the consequences of me not saying it are worse than me having to deal with saying it. <laughs> so pursue that. Patience. Or steadfastness, that would be the other word for this. Stay calm. Trust God, he's working. Just stay calm, relax, okay? That's patience. Don't freak out. Relax. There's, you know, we have to tell our kids that all the time. Relax. We know where we're going. Because I love not telling them where we're going. I think it's fun. We're going out to eat, they don't know. Where are we going? Where are we going? Where are we going? We're about to not go if you don't have patience. Gentleness or meekness. This is strength under control. It's not like wussy, pansy stuff. Like, don't, don't get that confused. But it's ordered without chaos. Strength under control. Not easily manipulated. I think that's probably a good way to think about gentleness. You are not easily provoked. Not easily manipulated. Somebody can get under your skin really fast. It's going to be hard to be gentle, Right? Verse 12, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Fight, right? This, is the, this word fight, it's, it means struggle or to labor fervently. This means it's, it's a battle. It's like, it's like sweat, you know? The, the, the Greek word is uh, at agonizomai. So it's like agony. You're like, okay, great. I could deal with agony. You know, it's like the idea there's like a struggle. There's like a real battle before us. We're fighting hard. So he says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. If we fight the good fight of faith, we keep our loyalty to God. We lay hold of what we're already called to. Right? What's that? Eternal life. So you, you know the future, right? But we're, we fight to lay hold of that and to grab onto that and to see that now, to get it now. And this is that whole kingdom thing where we live not for this world, but we live for, for that world, right? We live for, for what's to come, a new kingdom, right? And so we're called to grow up and to fight the fight of faith. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. 
because what does he say? You've, and uh, to which, so fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You have said this in front of people. You have confessed. You have made a declaration. You have put forth your allegiance. This is, this is what baptism is, by the way. This is what water baptism really is. It's, and this is why I think it's best when we do it in a group. And we're going to have water baptism. It's probably near the end of summer. And it would be cool if everyone came out for those who want to get baptized. But being baptized, it's like a, it's like a marriage it's like I'm saying I'm connected, I'm married to Christ. I am, now, I am now aligned with you. I'm making this commitment before you. This is my confession before everybody. So when you go in that water, you go out, you come out different. And you have made the commitment in front of all these people, which I know commitment's kind of a struggle to think about nowadays, right? Commitment's less than it used to be, and, you know, it's easy to break it. But we need to take it back. And by the way, we've all done that. No, no you know, no judgment, just saying, where do we go from here? We can change it. But that's what the baptism is. It's a confession of allegiance to, towards Jesus. So everyone is a witness to be a, they witness it. They get to be a part of it. That's what a marriage is, right? These are all your witnesses. They get to watch you get married. And then if they see you being sketchy somewhere with someone else, you go, I was at your wedding. That is not your spouse. Right? And so you have to ask, then you start asking questions. What is that about? You know, I was a witness. I saw this with my own eyes. So that's, that, so he's, he says, remember to fight the good fight. Lay hold of eternal life. You, uh, you were called and have confessed the good confession in front of the presence of many witnesses. You were in. You, were, you made the confession. You said you were down. Continue, man. The, the, you, there will be fruit. You know, because the struggles come. A lot of times the struggles come. We follow the Lord and things get hard. Things get difficult. And we go, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can hold on. I don't know. But it's like, you made a commitment. You stick with it. Stick with it. That's like our marriage ministry has been so cool. Uh, partially because we've been able to do the whole honesty thing. And it's been really sweet to people to be open up a little bit. It's not like crazy. And people aren't weeping. And there's not like, you know, it's not couples counseling. But we're just, we can be real about some stuff. And it's gone, it's been really cool. But I, I love the, the, um, the willingness and the, to, to put this first. Like I, this, I have a lot of things in my schedule. We're showing up for this. This matters. Because you know what? It's going to get hard. There's going to be hard times in your marriage. There's going to be times when you don't see eye to eye. There's going to be times when neither of you are sleeping very good. There's going to be times where you kind of feel distant or far off, whatever. He called the crazy cycle. But this is a commitment to say, now we are in this. We're in this together. To love the one you're with. And make it happen. So... Allegiance before the Lord, just like we need allegiance, we need to have allegiance before the Lord, and we need to have allegiance, of course, to our spouses, but it's in the same kind of a context. Verse 13, I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Christ Jesus, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. So I'm, he's urging him before the Father and the Son. And Jesus made his identity known before Pilate, right? Pilate starts asking him questions. Who are you? And Jesus is, he's very cryptic. Like he's, he's always like, what are you? 
Why, who do you think? What do you think? Let me, uh, the best way to have a conversation is to ask questions, right? What do you think about that? Who do men say this? What do you, who do you say I am? You know, he's always doing that kind of stuff. Well, I don't know. What do you think? Does it kind of line up to you? Any bells ringing right now? Verse 14, then that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord's appearing, right? So we keep this blameless before our Lord's appearing. Sorry, I missed something on there, but it's all good. Because I had, a, I had a rocky analogy, and I just love using them, but we're not. Okay, it's too late. You can ask me later. Um, I'm like, where is it? Doggone it. Okay. I had to watch a clip even for it. Von Drago, the Russian, and you're just like, Ugh. anyway. Verse 4, like I said, okay. So keep this commandment without spot, blameless, until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. Keep this commandment. What was it? What was the commandment? Fight the good fight. Teach, exhort, encourage, rebuke. Give heed to good doctrine. Know what you believe. Teach what you believe. Disciple, train up the next generation. Amidst, because look around, false teaching surrounds. So what is your charge? Keep the commandment without spot. Without anything coming in and, and degrading it. Do what you've been called to do. Blameless. You're not doing it for yourself. You're not taking it for yourself. It's, you don't, it's not for your advantage that you're doing this. Will there be advantage to you? Absolutely. But you're not using it for your own good. Right? Do this, what? Until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing. We are to do this until Christ's return. And I believe that the, the job, obviously, a pastor is to try to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, but that's where that takes place. And the idea of being equipped, being a part of what God's doing is what, what really needs to happen, what really needs to shift in our minds, it, 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 I mean, what really needs to shift is our minds. Because if we do, it's, it all depends on how we value. Again, if we don't value this, it's not going to take up, you know, forefront of our lives. It's going to stay on the periphery. So however much you value discipleship, being like Jesus, um, being a part of his kingdom, being a part of what he's doing, that is what we're going to get out of it. And so the job, really the role of a pastor, is to equip by awakening up the senses. So that's like, that's what we're trying to do. I'm trying to get there. We're all trying to get there together to be like, Lord, I know you're important. I know following you is important, but it's more than I even think. So awaken me. Awaken me to how important this is to follow you. Awaken my mind to see things the way they really are. To not get caught up in all the traps that are around us. To not give heed to these fables and, and uh weird arguments and controversies that we know in our hearts are dirty and rotten. It's like junk food. You can only do it so long, right? If it was VBS week, we had in and out three times within four days, I think. No, five days. That's a lot. And I just, at the end, I did something I never do. I didn't finish all the fries. I was just toast, man. It's like, this is just a lot of grease, you know? And it's just like, it was starting to wear on me. And I'm like, do I want a vegetable? How can this be? Yeah. 
But it was like, man, it starts to get and wear on you. And you're like, oh, it's like this is, it's not feeling good. It's not doing what it once did. And, and that's when we become awakened. We start seeing and tasting. Our taste buds change. A lot of times that happens with candy, right? You go back and you have a candy you had as a child. And you're like, this is not good. <laughs> like crazy candies like Fun Dip, sugar, into sugar, that you, anyway, it's good actually, but it's not good for you. But it's like, man, that was sweeter than I remember. Whoa, that was gnarlier than I remember. Oh, I don't remember having a headache. Actually, I do. I think I had a headache my whole childhood. What was I doing? I remember thinking, um, I'm going to get off soda. So I started drinking peach iced tea, which has more sugar in it than soda. <laughs> just no bubbles. Um, and it's just like, man, I f- just feel bad all the time. It's because you're, I don't know, having... 120 grams of sugar. It was a 64 ounce AMPM, you know. You went all in, man. But we, we recognize that in our health, the way we eat, the way we drink, all of that stuff. But we also can recognize it in our spirit. Now, of course, the less you give heed to that, the less we are sensitive to that, the more we kind of just become dulled and numbed out. And before you think that sounds like a good thing, recognize that means you're not feeling anything. God, he wants us to feel and sense and be a part of something and experience this joy and, 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 be a, and live in wholeness and, and purity before him. But sin comes in and it screws us up and we know the taste is different. Especially if you come to know Christ, when you go back to sin, it's like sucks, right? It's like, ah, oh, this does not feel like it used to feel. And it didn't feel good then and it feels worse now. I don't belong here. So we have a mission until Christ's return. We have a mission and we, uh, we will live, this is, this is the truth, okay? We will live unfulfilled lives if we are not united with our ultimate purpose. So if you're looking for a fulfilled life in anything else, you're never gonna live the fully, the plan that you were created for living for Christ as his representatives until his return. That is, there is nothing better than that. That's why it's like, even, it's funny, even a night, like thing like VBS, you're like, what am I really doing? I'm do, you know, cleaning up or I'm helping with a craft. There's just, there's a joy in being a part of serving as you see these kids pumped up to sing songs about Jesus and listen to them at the message. Oh man, so fun to hear them talk. They have all kinds of questions and ideas, you know? But they're excited about Jesus, and they come home and they talk about it, you know, and they want to, they, they come home and, and they want to pray for their friends that don't know the Lord, you know, and he was like, man, you get to be a part of that, you get to be a part of stoking that fire, that's what we were created to do, so if we're not aligned with that mission, which is a mission that's been going on from the beginning, to know God, to enjoy God, to glorify God in the way we live until his return, that's such good news. That's what we're meant to do. So if we just stop the gospel at, oh good, I'm, I got a jail free card. Oh good, I'm you know, free from you know, sin or whatever. That's a good start, but it is only a start. God wants us to go way, way, way deeper. And we will always feel unfulfilled if we're not there. So you're like, ah, that sounds like a lot of work, but it's even more work to live an unfulfilled, miserable life. And you you know who it's a lot more work for? Everyone who's around you. Because you're miserable. (laughs) It's 
It's like, what's wrong with you? You're miserable. You got to figure this out. Do you need a walk? Do you need a Snickers bar? What is it? What's going on with you? No, it's like we need to be aligned with what we've been called to do. Yes, it will take effort to grow in these things, to know what you believe. But I am certain right now, certain of this. And I think this might be the move that God is doing. I feel like there, there is a new movement happening. Like God is, is going to bring about another revival. But it is going to be based on holiness. And it's going to be based on people knowing what they actually believe. It is not going to be cheap, free grace. Like, it's going to be yeah, free, yes. Cheap, no. Like God's going to, he, he, he rescues us. But it's going to be us taking effort, putting in work. Lord, I want to be more like you. How do I do this? So many ways. Read the Bible. Go through it. Read the Gospels. See how Jesus himself did it. Got away. Prayed. Fasted. We, we can listen. We have podcasts and books and all kinds of stuff. But reading the Bible, getting away, spending time with him. Otherwise, we're never going to be united to his mission. It's amazing when you do spend time with him. Things come up. You have opportunities. And you're ready for it. Otherwise, we're going to be unfulfilled. We're going to be bummed. Okay? Verse 15. Um, which he will manifest in his own time, he who is the blessed and only potentate, the king of kings and lord of lords. The pot potentate, which is a very hard word to say, is another word for ruler. Most translations call it sovereign. Um, but he reigns. That's the idea. He reigns. He's in charge. He's good, gracious, and merciful. And he gives us a better way to live than we can drum up for ourselves. That's the ultimate lie, is that we can come up with a better life than he can give us. And that was the lie from the beginning in Eden, and it's the lie that we are told every single day. Every time we make a decision not to honor him, to do something different. I actually think I know better. I actually think I might have a better plan. So that's, that's it. Him who is, uh, he will make manifest in his own time, he, this blessed one, sovereign king, kings, lord of lords, who alone has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. When thinking about the influence and abuse of men, like when we look at around and we see how, it's like, how can these, you know, Lord, how can this happen? And, or like, or bowing to, to powerful men or, 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 or women, you know, whatever, law of the land, all that stuff where we're, we're told to do stuff we know we're not supposed to do or is dishonoring to God. It's really important and helpful for us to remember how grand and amazing our God is. You know I mean, I mean, that is really, that, that changes everything when we recognize how big and amazing he is. Losing sight of this will give us an overestimation of man's power. We're going to overestimate how much they can actually do. Because you know God can just shut it off. He can, just, he can change paths immediately. I've seen it done so many times. You trust God and you go, there is no way I can see a way out. How many of you guys have experienced this? Where you go, I'm in a situation... And I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. God has not come through. And I, I've done all the math. I've run all the figures. As a matter of fact, I've stayed up multiple nights thinking about it, which has just been so helpful. And I, had, I, I thought I had a plan. That plan fell apart. Uh, I'm running. There's no, I feel like there's no way out of this. 
And then God shows up with a way you didn't see. And by the way, that way was way better than any of the other earlier plans you had. And here's the best part. Since he came up with it, he gets the glory. You're in awe. You remember, whoa. We're dealing with one outside of time and space with, with, uh, who's omnipotent, you know? Who's omnipresent, omniscient. He's outside of all this. He's, I, I heard this said in a book. God doesn't have a brain. So that, isn't that wild for us to think about? Like he's, he's a spirit, but like he doesn't, it's not like he has a brain. He's on a whole nother level. Because we find out we only use like a really small percentage of our brain. You know, and we're like, well, what will happen in heaven? You know, will we use it, all of it? You know, who knows? I don't know how that all works. But like God is like beyond all of that. So our, even our brightest comprehension of intelligence, it's like, it's not even on the scale. This is all created. He's beyond all of it, all-knowing. It's like, it's not even on the same platform, right? The God who, who spoke the world into existence. So we have to remember, he alone has immortality, and, he, and he's dwelling in unapproachable light. Like, light is, is, can be intimidating, but there's rarely a light you can't approach. I can think of the, the only light I can think of is like a star, like the sun, that's what I think about. And you think about how insane the sun is. You've seen pictures of the sun, like up close, and you're like, it is a fiery ball of, oh my goodness. No wonder I'm getting burned out here, you know? Look at that thing. Wild. And then you find out it's like one of the smaller stars. What? Nuts. So it helps us to get this grand picture of how amazing our God is. And so we, we can't lose sight because if we lose sight, we'll overestimate man's power. Because how many times has man thinks he has it nailed? Some dictator, some whatever, some crooked leader who thinks he's got it nailed makes a fatal error with his arrogance. So usually that's when it happens. Your arrogance uh, the pride comes before the fall. So if we're staying in awe and a good type of fear, healthy fear, right? The, the, the fear of the Lord and his in reverence as to how big and amazing he is will help us not to bow in allegiance to the world's standards, to not to bow in allegiance to what's going on around us. And I think this is, this is why this is so important because the pressure, it's on. It's already on. Could it grow? Yeah, it could definitely grow. But it's, it's a no-brainer if you know who God is. No-brainer. Like, because you're like, what can men do to me? I, I, I think about the, the prospect of the change of Peter and John before Jesus rose from the dead and after, right? They're all freaked out. They're all hiding. They're, you know, Peter denied him, and then you see him after, and he's they're like, what are you going to do to us? You're not, we can't, are we going to serve you or God? Of course we're going to serve God. We don't care about what you say. And then, of course, as they show allegiance to God, what happens? He opens a way for them actually not to have to go through the trial that they thought they were going to have to go through. Because they trusted and believed in him. But we will have a really hard time with this if we have a small picture of God and a big view of the world. So if you think the world is all there is, and if all of our values are aligned in this world, we're going to believe that the world's power is the high power. But if we are living heavenly-minded, kingdom-minded, looking to Jesus as, as, and God is in awe and reverence and believing him, trusting him above ourselves or above what everybody else around us is saying, 
then we have a little, it's like, yeah, you don't stand a chance next to that. There's just no way. You see, I'm sure you've seen like, uh, there's different videos or whatever of, of us, of a fish coming in, eating a smaller fish. And you go, whoa, what a bully. And then you see a bigger fish come and eat that fish. And you go, whoa. And then some fish with some gnarly teeth come and eats that one. And you're like, ah, then a giant fish comes and eats that. And it's like, boom, boom, boom. It's like, it's having the perspective of like, this is, this is small fish. This is nothing. It's all going to equate to nothing. It's all going to fail and fall apart. We know who wins in the end. So let us align our allegiance and our trust in Jesus, in awe of who God is. And so we make that confession, like, Lord, I'm following you. I'm going with you wherever you go, because I know you're big enough. I know you're trustworthy enough, and I know you're, not, you're, you're the way. There's no other better plan I could come up with or drum up on my own. So that's what I want to encourage you guys with that. Like, to man, because I'm thinking all myself, I, we battle. This is, this is real. We are all struggling in this life and that life. But the more that we can get our eyes on him, the more that we put in time, I notice, the more I, 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 I read the word, the more I pray, the more I'm reading like these amazing books that glorify God and honor God, the more you listen to worship, the more you are, are delighting and meditating on him and his word the smaller the world's influence has on you. The more you're worried about the world, stuck in it, the bigger the influence has. And then all of a sudden the Bible becomes smaller and you go, we better just hold on and ah! They go hide somewhere. Let's go hide. Ah! We better all circle together. Everybody with your back against each other. It's like, is that the God you serve? Is that the God you see in the Old or New Testament? Absolutely not. He's the God that says, you honor me. Don't worry. I'll take care of the rest. I got you. You follow me. You have allegiance towards me. I got you. Okay?